Hi everybody and welcome to the End of Celts special. This is our Glasgow Derby extravaganza. Usually we usually have two or three guests on, but today we have all six members of the End of Celts podcast page on. We've got John, my co-host, we've got Francis, we've got William, we've got Anthony, we've got Ross. How are you guys? All good, mate. All good, yeah, mate. Good. Thanks, all good. good, mate. Is ready and ready to go, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. We'll move on to our first topic, which is many of us have favourite Glasgow Derby games. So I want to know from you guys what you are. Mine personally, the one that sticks out to mine most of all is the most in our recent seasons against the, the club across the city would be the time Moose and the Belly absolutely tore them in New York's hold at Celtic Park and he made Philip Sanderos look like a chef. Just put him on his arse and we hung out the flag of war that day. We set down a marker and we totally wiped the floor with him. And that's where we need to get back to, in my opinion. That's where Celtic belong. But I'll throw it to you, Donny, Anthony. What was, in terms of memory, what's the your favourite game that sticks out? Favourite game, probably, I would say around, it, it, it's an obvious one, but the 6-2 game. It just, it was such a momentous game, uh, Stephen. It was just, we had a tip, we'd stopped the 10, but then we had two really poor years. Um, Rangers really just steamrolled us, and it looked like they were getting ready to go for another attempt at 10, and then just the appointment of O'Neill changed everything. Um, and th- that first game really laid down a marker for what was an historic season. Um, so that really sticks out for me, the 6-2 game, uh, August 2000. What is it that you remember most about it, Donny? Just the absolute absolute madness of it. You know, t- 10 minutes in and you're three goals <laughs> up. And to be fair to Rangers, they didn't actually play that bad when you watch the game back. Um, but it was just... Everything about that day was just just perfect. I mean, it would been such a long time. It probably maybe even the first game in my life that I'd seen us just absolutely take them to the cleaners. And then, obviously, as David Proven says it, Henrik's chip in that game, it's world-class. Um, and it, it, we, we, it, we were blessed with a world-class uh, talent that, that, uh, that season. And um, he obviously went on to win the European Golden Boot as well. <clears throat> Just special times. And um, I think that's always like the, the marker for any successful Celtic side since. Yeah, I think, I think most notably about that game, Anthony, is it was nicknamed the Demolition Derby. And that just really says it all about it. With the totally destroyed him that day. And if I'm correct in saying, I think Chris Sutton scored a goal in 51 seconds. Which is, I think, the, the record for the fastest goal in the Southern Rangers match, was quite, which is quite incredible. And in terms of you, John, what sticks out sticks out in your mind in regards to your favourite Glasgow Derby game? Um, so I, I agree with both yourself and Anthony. Obviously, that that game where Dembele scored that hat trick, uh, I believe it was the first uh, Old Firm game under Rogers, um, is definitely a favourite. And how can you forget? Uh, that game um, where we won 6-2. <clears throat> Both absolutely phenomenal results. Um, and I'm sure we can all agree that any sort of high-scoring games uh, against Rangers is uh, obviously going to be up there. Um, so rather than sort of rinse and repeat what you guys have said, if I, you go back a wee bit further, uh, if you remember back uh, under Venglos, um, we had a 5-1 game uh, against them as well. Um, I think Maravchik uh, and Larson both scored a couple of goals in that game. That was another one, the high-scoring game, 5-1. Uh, I believe that one ended in that. That's another one that sticks out to me because that, during that era, <clears throat> at the time, I think Larson and Maravchik were two of my favourite players. So seeing them both score a couple of goals each, uh, as well as scalping them, was phenomenal for me. Yeah, I mean, I think in that game as well, if memory 
serves me correct. Obviously, I did a bit of research into certain games as well. Johan Mialby made his debut, de- debut in that game. And what a signing he turned out to be after Saturday Football Club. A solid centre-back, Swedish, came from good stock as well. But <clears throat> I'll throw it to you as well. Ross, in terms of a favourite derby game, what does stick out in, in, in terms of you, in your memory, in your mind? Um, well, I mean, obviously, there's the game where we won 3-2 at Ibrox. Uh, we touched on that the other night in the other podcast. Um, but one that sticks in the memory for me, a wee bit further back again, it's not as high scoring a game, but um, it always stuck in the memory for me. It was... Um, Scottish Cup quarter final, eh, 1997, I think it was, eh, and it was at Park End. We beat them 2 0. Um, and we were up 2 0 inside 20 minutes. Eh, Malky Mackay got a header, and Di Canio scored a penalty. Eh, and you were just uh-huh. like, you were sitting there in absolute disbelief because, like, it was just, we just couldn't beat them at that point. They were just, they were head and shoulders above us majority of the time it was just so difficult to get on top of them you were just in total disbelief that was that, uh, Tommy like, Burns eh? Eh? aye Tommy Burns eh, was there aye eh, that was his last I'm sure that was his last season before eh, Vim Janssen came in but um, mm-hmm. aye so it was just after 20 minutes you were like this could actually be anything here because you just weren't used to Celtic like beating Rangers <laughs> in any game, but uh, it probably could have been anything as well, because shortly after the Canio had scored the second, he, he should have had another stonewall penalty in that game, uh, and it wasn't given, but I mean, at the end of the day, you couldn't beat them, and then at the final whistle, you'd won 2-0, and you were still taking it, although it could have been more, uh, and uh, it, was, it just really sticks in my memory, because I think I was about 14 at the time, and like wins against Rangers have said, were few and far between uh, and I always remember uh, the headline the next day I'm a sucker for a pun but the headline the next day was Malky and I just thought that that's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> but aye it wasn't a high scoring game but it sticks in my memory that one you make a great point Ross and I want to come back to you as well so my grandfather always told me back in the Tommy Tommy Burns era they were playing fantastic football they were free flowing they were free scoring but it just came to the crunch and they couldn't quite go over the line what was it back then in that era? Obviously, I was only around three or four at the time that match was actually played. So what was it in that era that actually made kind of like a mental block against Rangers? Why do you think that was, Ross? Um, two words, Andy Gorham. Yeah. Uh, it was just, you just couldn't get by him. I mean, I think Tommy Burns was quoted at one point saying that on his gravestone, it would be something like Andy Gorham broke his heart. Uh, he was just... It, if it wasn't for Andy Gorham, Celtic would have won a league under Tommy Burns because they, he just made saves sometimes that you just you, you couldn't believe. And like for the 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 build it was as well, you you couldn't believe the agility he had sometimes. But mm-hmm. uh, I I mean I don't know Celtic. I think that season especially, sure it was. They nearly they they nearly done it, but their downfall was too many draws. Uh, a bit like this season. Just too many draws. The, the the football they were playing was the best in the country, and they played Rangers off the park all the time. But Rangers had guys like Brian Loudrop, and they just went up the park and bang, sucker punched you one 0 and that was it. Yeah. Uh, but th- Celtic didn't. They just have guys like Loudrop. Although, although no, that's not true because they had guys like Decanio and Cadet and stuff. But 
Aye, it was that 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 was the difference. Like they just weren't a, yeah. what a, what's the word? I don't know. They just weren't <laughs> a, a, ruthless enough. Ruthless yeah. enough. I think Ross. I think that's quite a testament to Tommy Burns as a manager that he was so ahead of his time that they were playing this free flowing passive football. As you said, the best in the country by a long shot. But it, when the crunch came, it was one player basically in that squad always stopped them. And as you said, the inconsistency with the too many draws. And touching upon the squads, obviously not meaning to bring up past the woes and stuff of our, the club across the city, but it was proved that there were that most of that squad was uh, illegally obtained for EBT schemes which they still escape punishment for, but we won't go into that debate here. But, William, I'll throw it to you. So, Anthony brought up the brilliant point of the, the 6-2 game, which was the demolition derby. Do you remember any events around that time in terms of that derby sticking out in your mind? I do. Short and sweet for me, that was my favourite derby game also. Um, I think if the game finished 1-0 and it was just Larson's chip, it still would have been my, my favourite derby game. That goal was just unbelievable. From, from certain strength to to the layoff and then making Bert Connerman look like he's Bambi on ice with a nutmeg and <laughs> trying to find his feet to that finish. And then even now I watched I watched the game again, uh, the highlights again today and just the, the commentary where it says that is sensational. It just gives me goosebumps. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Uh, I just to touch on what Tony was saying, it was the beginning of O'Neill's era, stopping advocates, dominance. And it was also really nice to see Barry Ferguson lose a head and get sent off. <laughs> I, I, I think that that's probably the reason why it was nicknamed as well, the Demolition Derby. It just sounds, for me, I, I can vaguely remember the game. Um, that chip, obviously, so that's been replayed over and over again around the world. That goal was fantastic. The way he just dinked it over the keeper and just ran off into the fans to celebrate. That's the type of player Henry Larson was. And, it's a testament that he actually stayed with Celtic that long with interest from the likes of Manchester United, big clubs in Spain. And he stayed with us for his premieres, which is something that Celtic fans are always grateful for. And he's always going to be known as the King of Kings. And in terms yeah. of the other players in that squad, you had the likes of Scott as well. But Franny, I'll throw it to you. In, in the games the guys have actually chose, what game for you is the one that, that was like, that was a brilliant derby game? I, I would go with the 6-2-1 the, the as well. It's just, it was just control. Like, like Anthony says, we we didn't really Rangers didn't play bad. They did, but we just were so dominant. It was ten, fifteen minutes gone. You were three nothing up. It was just everything you thought. It was just everything went our way. Sutton starting and finishing the scoring and and like the boys have said, it's Larson's chip. It was just, it was Larson. It was just world class. It was the guy. Just mm-hmm. how he was. It was just that good that he just. He had the balls to do something like that under the circumstances. It was I the calibre think... of the keeper as well. The, ah, I mean, I mean <laughs> Klaus, Klaus was a German, German goalkeeper at the time in that. And it was and effortless. And the, uh, just to go back, like you say, it's that uh, that 6-2 game. He beat them that in that fashion uh, in the Neil's first derby game. I mean, because was that not just off the back of Barnes Dalglish? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and yeah. Rangers did Rangers know they, they beat us be quite hefty score lines a few matches prior to that. So I think we were all going into that game thinking wonder what's going to happen here. So he beat them like that. And uh, I just what a game. Aye. Well, we just set the tone just straight like Sutton's goal in the first minute, just set the tone for the day. Yeah. And then pet them. I mean, it for the whole season. Aye, to be fair, aye. To be fair. And just Petrov's Petrov for the second, <laughs> then Lambert, it was like could have been five or six behind. 30 minutes, it was, it was ridiculous. 
I'm actually, I'm actually compliment you could. Sorry, Stephen. I think the biggest so, compliment you can give that game is that not long after that, Rangers went out and spent fortunes on the likes of Flo and, and Ronald De Boer and all the rest of it. Aye. So that 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 game itself made Rangers sit up and go, "Oh no, we need to we need to do something aye. about it." We're up against something this season. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, uh, guys, I'm actually interested that you brought on uh, brought up Lambert. I, I know he scored in the game, but he, he interests me as a footballer. Um, every time I see him play for Celtic. I was young, so I never really appreciated how good he was until now when you look back on certain highlights and certain games and the way he controlled games. But, Donny, I want to throw this to you. What type of player or how important was he for that squad at that particular moment? He was absolutely <coughs> vital. Absolutely vital. And, and, and he had been sort of, you know, he was brought in. Um, no transfer windows back in the sort of the late 90s, um, Stephen, but he was brought in by Vim Janssen um, just about the November time in '97 the year that we were trying to stop the 10. And, you know, it's incredible to think now, he was a Champions League, current Champions League winner um, at that time. Um, it was his job to mark Zidane off the park the previous May, um, which he did uh, so successfully. So to have a, a guy of that calibre coming in to try and steer you to try to stop Rangers doing 10 in a row, I think it was an inspired purchase. And he went on a, you know, he's... <laughs> went on to lead us um, although Tommy Boyd had the, the kind of wider umbrella of club captain Tommy was coming to the end of his career sort of around the time that, that Martin took over so Lambert really took on the, the role of captain and when you when you think of the players in that dressing room at the time, all big personalities for, you know, Henrik and Sutton and guys like that speak for themselves but even, even when you think of players like you know, Jonathan Gould, the goalkeeper, was well known to be a big personality in the dressing room. And to think that Paul Lambert was the leader of, of that that group, um, I think it just speaks volumes for how important he was uh, to Celtic. And and it, it, that continued um, throughout the, the O'Neill era. You know, he, he, six years after winning the Champions League with Dortmund, he led us out in, in Seville as well. So I think but Paul Lambert is... Very, very underrated. Actually, I mean, it—it's it, just one. I agree with that. It, it doesn't get the credit, um, and, and, and it's not like we're taking it from anyone that, that that's not. Everyone knows that Petrov and obviously Neil, guys like that. They're all they're all deserving of the love we give them. Alan Thompson as well. But for me, there was just something classy about Lambert. Everything he did, he didn't. Mm-hmm. He, there was no airs or graces about him. Uh, about him still isn't now. Um, but he was a absolutely terrific servant for Celtic. Yeah, I mean, I, I as I said before, I never really appreciated him because every time I seen him, he was passing the sideways or passing it back. But when when you see it, when you look back on certain games, you can see where he he brings that calmness, he brings that experience. And as you said, he was a Champions League winner when he went to Celtic Football Club. And you're not a Champions League winner by luck; you're a Champions League winner because you deserve it and you're playing in a fantastic team. And we were lucky to have him at that point. But m- moving on to the nitty gritty side of the games, now let's always appeal to me. Obviously, my my mine naive said more more than anything but I love the good the good flare up blue flare up in a, in a Glasgow Derby game and one for me sticks out in mine would have been Fernando Rickson God rest him and Alan Thompson Let them two always used to be at each other's throats you, see, you used to always say you could always guarantee it before a game I would always say to McGrandy that's going to be a fight they're going to fight each other again and it always happened one of them would have, got, would have got sent off but it's that passion that sometimes you look at the games now you think it's gone away I'll give it to you, John. What what sticks out in your mind in terms of flashpoints, or even anything in, in a derby game that you, you miss now? I mean, I, yeah, I, like you say, Thompson and Rickson had some classic moments together. Um, 
where you don't. You, I mean, we we know old firm games. It's, it's there's always potential for moments like that to happen, and and nine times out of ten it does. So there's so many that you could probably look back on. Um, for me personally, I, I I mean I think we all in the same boat. I desperately want to know what was said between McCoist uh, and Lennon. Uh, after the game, um, because everything seemed to be fine one minute, uh, and then within a matter of seconds they were at each other's throats. So, I think that's something I'm interested. That, that, that's something that sticks in my mind because I'm I'm desperate to know what was said or or what it was that caused that to happen. But, and I, I don't know if you could necessarily call it a flashpoint, but it's a it's a moment that's become, a, it's another derby moment that's become uh, iconic um, and and something that everybody's going to remember. And it was when Scott Brown. Uh, scored and celebrated in front of youth. That stance, the the wide arms. It was just it was just one of the moments where I don't know for you boys, but for me it was just what 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 a moment. What what that that image, him standing there with his arms spread, um, just staring at him. Because they two had a few bust ups prior to that, and yeah. I think Juf. We all know Juf had a. a he was notorious for getting in people's faces and he was a wee bit arrogant. Well, no, a wee bit arrogant. He was just absolutely arrogant. He was, uh, as a player, he was shocking uh, in terms of his professionalism. But once once, once we got that goal, uh, just the way Scott turned to him, they just, he just so happened to be standing right next to him and the timing for it was perfect. It was just a fantastic moment for me. Yeah. I, I mean, personally for me as well, John, El Hazju for me was, oh, he was... Uh, a disgrace of a professional footballer. He, he spat in people in his previous clubs, training ground bust ups, fighting with his own teammates, and then at the, at the end of the day, he just basically took it upon himself to try and fight any, anyone in a Celtic shirt. And that's what kind of led to the whole flashpoints that, that evening in that game, as you said, with Ali McCoyce and Neil Lennon at the time. We all desperately want to know what was actually said because it seemed like, as we, as we discussed at the top of the show before we came on air, Neil Lennon was smiling and we were talking, and then something was said, and it went bang. And then it does erupt it. Me personally, I love that. I love a good, as I said, I love a good flare up. I, I, I love the games full of passion because nowadays I think when you look down at Dingley's Premier League and you've seen the, the derby between, well, the derby, the so called derby between like Liverpool, United, after the game they're all hugging, hugging each other. Oh. I can't imagine, I can't imagine Celtic Rangers players ever doing that. But I'll go to you, William. Flashpoints is quite an interesting subject. What, what stands out in your mind? Yeah, just similar to John, the one I had ready to go was the the Bruni, <laughs> the birth of the Bruni, I like to call uh, it. The, I think the birth, if um, yes. the birth of the Bruni, if uh, I think if he ever is immortalised in a statue outside that stadium, which I think in time he might be uh, the captain, the leader he has been, and he's been here for so long and lifted so many trophies. I think if he is ever immortalised in a statue outside that stadium, it should be that image mm-hmm. of him just standing there. With, with the legs, legs akimbo like Ronaldo, ready to take a free kick, and the arms in the air, ready to go. Yeah, it's it's so iconic because we all as Celtic fans love doing the Bruni, and he still does it to this day when he scores or when he's agitated. He throws the arms out in the air, gets the Celtic fans going, and it's it's them type of characters for me. I know he's still in the squad at the moment, but it's a dying breed in the game, and it's like you're getting the foreign players in. No disrespect to foreign players, but they don't quite grasp the whole magnitude of. The Celtic and Rangers rivalry, yeah. and j- just to put in the context, uh, on a football day, we hate them, and that's not me me being funny or anything. It's true. I have friends who are Rangers fans, so we can barely speak when they're playing. It's just how it goes, and 
that rivalry can't disappear. It's what keeps us going as a club, and it's what we look forward to. And granted, yes, we all know that they should be still down the lower leagues. They should have got punished more. But at the end of the day, the, the rivalry we have is something we thrive off and look forward to every season because we need to set a marker down more than ever that we are the best club in Scotland because we certainly are. We've got the best squad, but unfortunately this season it hasn't panned out that way. Um, Francis, and the flashpoints as well, you look at the red cards over the years and you, you look at the dodgy referee this season, especially against us. One referee springs to mind, Q Dallas. I don't know about you guys. He used to give a penalty against Celtic if a Celtic player winked at him wrong or looked at him wrong. But Francis, how do you feel about flashpoints? What, what stands out for you? Well, I, I don't know if it's a flashpoint, but Gerard's celebrations after them winning the league on the 28th of December and then them imploding <laughs> not long after that. <laughs> that's, that sticks yeah. out a wee bit for me in that. The, the bout when we won the league as well and then Brown just celebrated in front of the Rangers fans at Parkhead and the whole Rangers team just surrounded them and Brown and Lustig were just standing there, just the big shots. But I've had to pick what Well, I don't know if it's picking one, but just Boric being Boric. Boric just just seemed to annoy them. It didn't matter what he'd done, it just annoyed them. Just Boric just being Boric. But I've had to pick one Boric moment is when I'm sure the game was at Ibrox. And I actually think we got beat that game. But he just ripped off the goalie top and he had a picture of the Pope underneath it and that. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure he he was running with a big Celtic flag all the way up Ibrox. And I'm like, he wouldn't shake anybody's hand. I was like, oh, I just. We've just been. I'm sure we got beat off Rangers, but I was like, I think we're all. Ha- I think Celtic fans are happy now. Doesn't matter. We've just been beat. Mm-hmm. Boris has just. <laughs> Boris has just won the game for us. Boris got the uh, shirt printed in a, in a Glasgow shop just to fire underneath his top. But <laughs> moments like that, it's, it, it lives forever in Celtic fans' mind. And you look at the types of players, as you said, Bruni, you, you like to Boris, and to a certain extent, the likes of Lee Griffiths when he ties the flag pose under the, the post. That's like, we're laying down a marker here. We're here to stay, and these aren't getting the front. And as I said before, I don't want to go over old ground. We let them. We fell asleep at the wheel. The, the warning signs were there, and we'll, we'll eventually come on to towards the, the end of the segment. But it's just, it's just sad how it panned out. But, Anthony, for you, before we move on, in terms of, of flashpoints as well, what, what stands out for you there? Uh, well, they're all great examples. I've, uh, I was going to... I had a, most of them written down. I think... Just when we were saying about the, the, the fans as well on, on Derby Day, though, I don't have it's all before all our times, but I think we've all seen the scenes of the, the nineteen eighty Scottish Cup final when it was just a it was just a battle between fans on the pitch. I mean it, it doesn't get any bigger a flashpoint than that. Um you obviously can't condone these scenes, but by the same point, I think it does highlight just how deep um these divisions are in, in this rivalry. Uh, and even when you, when you look at, you, you take into account Lennon and McCoyst, that's two guys steeped in the traditions of each side. Um, probably we're having a, a glass of wine five minutes later, but just in that immediate moment, it was absolute uh, carnage. Mm-hmm. And even when you think of, um, going back to Paul Lambert and, and Kloss, I remember an incident at Ibrox, um, a, a very mundane incident. I think it was a couple of, it was a corner kick or something. And uh, Kloss, sort of saved it and then fell on the ground. I think Lambert made a sort of half-hearted attempt to, to get it. And then the two of them just went hell for leather at each other. And you just think, again, these two guys are won the Champions League with the same the same squad, best of friends. Not necessarily, I mean, I, I don't know Lambert's affiliation, but I don't, you know, you'd, 
he's not the first person you think of when you think of a, a, a Celtic, you know, great that was brought up in the traditions of the club. And it just shows you how it can even affect get guys like that. It's just, it's a derby and a rivalry unmatched for me. Um, and, you know, the flashpoints, although some of the scenes can be unsavoury at times, it just goes to show how much it means to them all, to all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think as well that's something that's greatly missed especially because there's no fans this season we can't really express how we're feeling there's no there's no bigger derby for me in the world uh, in terms of Celtic Free Rangers no matter if it's against the Leo <laughs> Club before 2012 or the Le Rangers Nye or Sevco as they're widely known among the Celtic population but I think in terms of players as well I'm glad you brought up Lambert again and you wouldn't actually think of him in terms of a flashpoint but he pulled the strings in that midfield and he was fighting important. Now, I'm going to move on slightly to players that stand out in these games. Now, this is going to be a weird one for myself. I, it just sticks in my mind. I don't know why, for many reasons, really. I was at my local GAA club, St. Andrews. That's a shout-out for them. They're a big they're a big uh, Gaelic club over here. And we were watching a Celtic Rangers game. I think it was around 2003-2004 season. Do you remember the fellow Giannino was signed from Middlesbrough? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think he made he made his debut in this game. I'm pretty sure yeah. it was. I'm but sure he was. was absolutely fantastic in the game. And you could see the quality he had, but unfortunately <laughs> it didn't work out for him after that. But I know there's so many players that you could pick, but I wanted to be a wee bit left field. But for me, the player that stood out and my, one of my earliest memories of an old firm game would have been Janino. Just for the fact that he, he, he came up from Middlesbrough with this big uh, reputation playing a World Cup squads with Brazil. We're all like, oh my God, the Brazilian's going to be in our midfield. And, to be fair, <laughs> yeah, he did. He did win the World Cup in the squad, yeah. But yeah, it's it's that just sticks out my mind because I watched it on the big screen. He was fantastic, and the, unfortunately, as I said after, he he didn't quite make the grade. But I'll throw it to you, Ross. What kind of players stand out in your mind when you think of the the Derby games? Um, oh, there's well, obviously there's more than a few, but um, the, the two that probably stick out the most. Obviously, Larson, you can't ignore. Um, but Alan Thompson, for me, uh, I think just I've like you touched on before with the flashpoints with Ricks and, and stuff. Uh, but he was always good for an important goal. Um, always remember one. It was I think the game was Peter now. It was going to be now now at Parkhead. And uh, he just comes up with a moment of brilliance. Uh, a curler with the sure it was outside his left foot, right over close, and I, I think it clipped in the clipped the bar on the way in. It was like sort of eight to eight <laughs> to last minute, uh, and it won us the game. Uh, but the other guy that uh, really sticks in my mind for he had everything. He had skill. He had class. He came up with big moments. He scored big penalties. Uh, it was crazy. Uh, but Paul Decano, what a player, man. Oh, um, yeah. Massive moments. I always remember, um, I mean, the less said about this game, the better, but it was the game that Rangers won. I'm sure they won the league at Parkhead, but at the final whistle, Decano had lost the plot uh, <laughs> and he was desperate to get Dean Ferguson. He was going to, he, was, he, he wasn't buying down to him, he was going to kill him. A few guys had to get in his way, um, but and uh, uh, he never scored. But I always remember, I think it might have been the same game, I might be wrong, uh, but I'm sure it was Tosh McKinley, it was a free kick, and he flicked it up for him, and Decanio attained it in the volley, and he, he hit the bar. Uh, but, oh my God, it would probably have been, it probably eclipsed Larson's chip for me, if that had went in. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
aye, he had he had absolutely everything. Uh, but it was just crazy. But I they're they're probably the two that most stick out uh, for me. Yeah. Go ahead, William, you give me yours. What what players are in your mind at the moment? Yeah, there's many. Um Thompson was one that stuck out for me, but if you if you look at the stats, I know you mentioned your your um your favourite derby game recently, Stephen, and Dembele was just yeah awesome. I've, I had a look up and he he scored seven goals in eight games against Rangers. Fantastic, unbelievable, unbelievable. Like the fixture, eh? I'm going to go a bit left field like yourself as well, right? And this guy was one of my favourite players. And there's there's well there's there's players that, that leave and you're gutted like Larson, but you understand it, so you're not you're not as devastated. So uh, when when KT left, I was I was absolutely heartbroken. There's another there's, there's one other player that I felt that way, and it was Gary Hooper. I thought he wow. could have went on to be wow. an absolute legend. He could have broke all sorts of goal scoring records. He was for me, he was just absolutely unbelievable. His record again, he he was five goals in seven league games against Rangers. Um. He always rose to the occasion whenever we played them. Um, some of my favourite derby uh, memories were of him scoring goals. He scored a couple of crackers. So for me, he's he's one that stood out in my mind. Yeah, I mean, guys, what 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 was said about Gary Hooper? I just want to give him a wee shout out. He he was a fantastic, fantastic striker. As you, as you rightly said, William is goal scoring record. Even with, without taking the Rangers game into consideration, even in the European side of things, the cup domestic domestic cups and. He always kind of rose to the occasion. He said, what was saying about him? What are you saying about him, Francis? I think he could have been a Celtic great, but it was just money. But I can understand him going back down to England and that, but I just think he was he's one of the best Celtic strikers I've witnessed. Just mm-hmm. proper, proper predator. Just loved, loved scoring. Loved scoring. That's all yeah. I can say about the guy. Love, love to score, and that's what you want for your striker. To come, to come for his comfort. And do what he's done with at a club the stature of Celtic is was brilliant. It was brilliant. I, I, I mean, he he came from Scumford. Um, he was top goal scorer in, in the championship. I think they got relegated. Andy Carroll scored about five or eight less goals, and then he got a move to Newcastle for thirty million pounds. Exactly. <laughs> it, it 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 doesn't make any sense. But um, Francis, while I'm on you as well, what what kind of players are you thinking when are you thinking of when you think of derby games? Well, I'd, I'd Thompson as well. Like, I just, I thought he stood out as well. Like, obviously, like the boys say, Larson is always going to stick out because he's, he's Larson at the end of the day. And then Dembele. But a wee bit left out, a guy that's not really well liked within certain quarters of Celtic anymore. But I just think Chris Commons just always seemed to oh. turn up against Rangers. Yeah, like, I'm, sure, again, I'm sure he played his, again, another one that made his debut against Rangers and scored two goals. Yeah, he did. Or it was, or it was his first Rangers game. He scored two. He just... It always seemed to score against Rangers. I can remember there was a season he'd hardly kicked a ball. Hardly kicked, I'm sure we won 3 0. Hooper got two. Funny enough, Hooper got two in that game. But I always remember Commons goal where Hooper played him in and he just played one touch. He sat McGregor on his ass and then just dinked the ball over him. And it's just, I just thought he was a touchy <coughs> class when he was on it. And it was another guy that came for the championship, banging goals in from midfield, always scored for Celtic. But it's just though for him actually, he got he got what it meant to play for Celtic, and he, he knew what playing though for him actually was all about. Obviously, it's, a, it's, a, it's like he bought into the whole Celtic culture yeah. type of thing. That's that, yeah. that's the type of players that we need at the moment, especially coming into well, what what was the ten season anyway? Unfortunately, it's gone. But I'm going to throw this one to you, John. And obviously, you can say the players that stand out. But 
I want to throw Scott McDonald into the mix. What, what, what do you think about him? I, I always think that he's a striker that kind of goes under the radar among Celtic fans. Granted, what he did at Motherwell when he celebrated when we lost the league, fair enough, he he done that, but he came and he gave us a, a good few years of service. What's your, what's your opinion on Scott McDonald when it comes to derby games? Um, I mean, his, his name is no as synonymous with the derby games as others um, that have been mentioned. Uh, but I like Scott as a player, definitely. Um, like you said, he, he scored goals, but I don't think he was anything particularly great. He was a good player. He'd done his job. Uh, he scored a lot of important goals. Um, but but no, nah, I, I, I wouldn't put him in the same sort of pantheon as like a Henrik Larson or a yeah. Dembele when it comes to things like that or Hooper, uh, which is a perfect example of somebody who could have been immortalised at Celtic but chose yeah. to, to go and uh, play low league football again. What, what players stand out for you then when you think of the Derby games? I got again Larson. I, I mean, how can you not say Larson Dembele yeah, that 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 hat trick immortalised him in terms of the derbies. Um, you say there's just there's been a bit Boric for me, like and it's just going back to these like your flashpoint moments. I mean Boric, he got what it meant, and he even to this day he still loves Celtic, yeah. and it 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 didn't matter what the, like you said what the result was. Uh, he, he was he was just up for it constantly, and he he he, he gave them nothing. And he, what a fantastic player he was as well. Yeah, I mean a, a few other players have sprung to mind, like so Fenegrew Hasling, that header, mm-hmm. uh, Samras when he scored twice yeah. at uh, twice Samaras at Ibrox. Sunday. And, uh, remember that day? It was absolutely fantastic. And you're you're, you're right, guys. You could go through a whole list of players, the likes of Lubo. Um, you could go to Thompson, you could even go as back as Bobo Baldi just for being the presence that he was and it's kind of something that we miss in modern day football, that kind of no compromising centre-back and uh, it's the road that we're going down unfortunately but I'm going to move on to a, a quite interesting topic that I want to know about anyway personally like, I know a few of you have been to Derby games, I haven't unfortunately I live in Ireland and it's quite hard for me to get over to games and especially buying tickets for Derby games is like gold dust so I get over around six or seven times a year, do my best and support the team as much as I can. I support it from home all the time and watch every game. But I want to go to you, Anthony. Give me the experience of a derby game from the moment you wake up till you go back home. So, like, I want to know everything. I want to know the feelings. I want to know what you're feeling. Get into that ground, the atmosphere. And if you can, what game sticks out in your mind that you've been at that you can remember? Well, you say that, you, you know, you but from, from when you wake up... Um... To be fair, you don't you don't you very little sleep uh, the night before. The, the, the nerves are just. Uh, I've actually still got the nerves now going into this game on Sunday. You know that's how we're still quite a bit away. But yeah, it's just the the, the anticipation for it all just really gets you going. Um, you just you just think that a result could totally change your weekend. You know, if you get the bragging rights, that's you for the next seven eight weeks. You've got the you can walk about strutting. You know, you've you've won the derby. Um, but yeah, even you know, being at the game, I've been to the games, Celtic Park, Ibrox, Hamden. They're all they're all kind of different levels. Uh, just you know, regards of crowd numbers and stuff. But the feeling's the same. You know, you you feel like you're there representing the, the club as much as the guys are on the park, and you just you want to you want to feel like you've gave your all in the stands as much as they guys have got to do it on the park as well. Um, and it's just like I say, it's a, it's 
a match that's totally unrivaled for me. Um, one, if I had to pick my, my favourite one that I did attend, and it's probably just for um, sentimental reasons, if, if nothing else, um, it was the, uh, this is always good, you can, in the Invincible season, we can actually have a debate over what our favourite 5-1 victory uh, <laughs> was. Um, and as much as I did enjoy the one at Ibrox, because it was magnificent, I have to say just, and as I say, it's for sentimental reasons, I'm going to pick the, the first one. The, I mean, we say the 6-2 game was a demolition derby. The 5-1 game was the demolition derby. Yes. <laughs> so it was Brendan's first it started. Match. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, Brendan's first game as um, a Celtic, uh, old firm game as Celtic manager. And, um, you know, you just wanted to really get off to a good start. We played well, we qualified for the Champions League. And, you know, that they, they were, you know, starting out, they, they were still walking about with empty, you know, bread packets on their heads and magic hats going to show his boss. And I think Brendan just took it all in his stride. Um, but it was actually, me and my dad had moved seats that season. Um, 111, where we'd sat for 20 years, um, had been changed to the what's now the, the standing section, the north curve. Um, so my dad, he wanted to move uh, and we managed to get cracking seats where we still sit now um, in the south stand. So it's just a couple of... Um, feet along for the Celtic dugout actually in some games you can actually hear them uh, you could hear Brendan and Chris Davies sort of chatting with each other and, and latterly uh, Neil as well um, they're just absolutely brilliant and it's just a fantastic panoramic view of the stadium and you're just sitting there you know 10 feet for the action going oh, we just we really want to do it today but me and my dad didn't actually even though we've been season ticket holders for you know 20 odd years um, I wasn't allowed to go to the old Firm games up until I was a teenager and by which point my dad's work commitments had changed. So a lot of the Derby games I had attended with my, my brother. And um, when we were driving through, my dad had actually said to me, do you know, I actually think the last Derby I was at on a Saturday was the 5-1 game in 98, which we touched on earlier. And he says, I, I took your papa that game. He said, that was the last um, Derby he ever, he ever made it to. And when it was, I think it was maybe when it was three, I started thinking it. And then when Dembele made it four, I thought, oh God, this would, this would just be unreal. But we didn't, we did, it was almost like an, an unwritten uh, or unspoken sort of thought between us. And when Stuart Armstrong made it five, the two years, well, oh, it was just absolute, it was really emotional because we were like, you know, we were speaking about my papa's last derby before the match and we've just went and reciprocated the result again. And it was, yeah, absolutely. It was it was a magical day. It was a scorcher as well, you know, early autumn day. And, you know, the game was over by two o'clock. And, you know, the celebrations, as uh, I'm sure Ross and Franco and the rest of the boys can remember in the pub that night were, oh, it was, it was unreal. I'm quietly clapping here, Dunny. Quietly clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Brilliant. As I say, as I say I, I've, I've got an absolute plethora to choose for, but... Yeah, they're just that, that one was just that wee bit extra special, and it, it, like similar to where the six-two game laid the groundwork and the foundations for, um, you know, the the two thousand and one treble winning season. I think we all left Parkhead that day going, ah, they're they're no stopping us this year. But then again, nobody stopped us that year because we are, you know, the Invincibles of 2016-2017. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, fantastic, Anthony. And I, I, I think that. That, that brings me right to the very first podcast me and John done. The whole experience you have with your dad talking about your papa and the, the Derby games that he attended with him. That that just makes me feel a family connection that me and John have with our family because everyone in our family, bar a few people, support Celtic Football Club. You're born into it. It's an institution. 
it's it's a way of life, it's an addiction. And for me, the build up the Derby game, even though I haven't attended one, starts the week of the Derby game. You wake yeah. up in the, the week you wake up in the week of the Derby game, you're straight onto the headlines, what's happening, what's going on over there and you know, it's all you can think about and, and the closer you get to it, the nerves start going and that's exactly the way I'm feeling I. But what I want to know, William, and if, if you can explain this to me, it'll be amazing. What makes it so special? And we a hundred percent we know, but I want you to give me your take on it. What makes it so special to you, the Derby games? The the rival rivalry, the uh, there's not a feeling like it. It's family again. What Tony's touched upon. My my uh, personal best derby matches, and is like he's saying, as much as there's been bigger score lines and and better games. Um, mine was in 2011. Uh, we won 3-0 at Parkhead. I had a season ticket with my dad at the time, and I was in my, uh, my mid twenties or so, late twenties. My dad's my hero, so that time on a Saturday or a, or a Sunday morning where it's just just me and him driving through the game or, or getting the train through and getting a few beers and and supporting Celtic and and grasping each other and cuddling whenever we score, that that's that's my biggest memory of this game. I I I've been a lot 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 of games and I, for example, a big standout was the four three UV game when Sutton smashed mm-hmm. that volley in the top corner. Like that atmosphere was unreal, but for this game that I went to, I never ever ever felt an atmosphere like it. When, when Hooper scored, Hooper scored the first goal. Commons gave him it an inside left, and he and it, I don't know if you guys remember, he took. It looked like a heavy touch, but he meant it, and he absolutely he, he skinned Davy Weir, and then opened yeah, his and he left body up. Yeah, you can forget that. And just just opened <laughs> his body up and laid it under McGregor, and uh, we our seats were uh, like Tony. We weren't far from Anthony. We were right next to the Green Brigade and, and the stand next to it and, and Hooper ran over to that corner and I turned to my dad and cuddled him and when I opened my eyes I was like three rows down to where I started and my dad's, <laughs> my dad's glasses had fell out his pocket and they just trampled on and smashed and there's guys next to me throwing drinks in there and cuddling, I'm cuddling random people and, and it's just see, these memories and that's when I think that was a, that was a time when we, we were doing the, we were, everybody was doing the huddle. So the, the, it was a pause man, I think it was that started it off. Yeah. So everybody turned turned away from the from the the park, and everybody's doing the huddle. And it's a, it's a first I remember it, and nobody's even watching the game. Everybody's just jumping up, jumping up and down, doing the huddle. Uh, so for me, that's that's my biggest memory, and that team as well is like it's something I think we are severely lacking this year. Like that that team wasn't the most gifted or talented team we had in the world. We had the Joe Ledleys and the. And the, the the Hoopers and and the, the Commons and the Izagiris, not the most talented, but they they gave a hundred percent every time they went in that field and had that fight. And that's when that was when Lennon said he would bring the thunder, and he definitely brought brought the thunder that weekend because it was just absolutely magic. Like like Tony said, just waking up in the morning, you've got the butterflies heading through with my old man. It's just the best best thing in the world. Yeah, I, I don't think it could be described any better. It's it's almost like. You, you look down south, and as I said before, they're all cuddling and shaking each other's hands, and you're almost going to yourself, that would never, ever in a million years happen up here, because a derby is a derby. Your rivals is your rivals. And when you step in that pitch, you're enemies. No matter what anyone says, that, that's the way it should go. But we'll, we'll look ahead to Sunday's game, and I want to thank you guys as well for giving me that feeling, because I, I felt every moment, I have to be honest with you, it's the way I feel when I watch football matches with my granddad, and I'm sure it's the way John feels when he watches football with his dad as well. So we'll, we'll look ahead to, to Sunday's game. 
So we heard today from John Kennedy, there is going to be no guard of honour. And for me, thank God that's happening. I touched upon it with the, the podcast with Declan. We just uh, recently done there as well. I I honestly couldn't give two flam fucks if people moan that we're not doing it. They didn't do it for us. And I don't care if it like, seems like tit for tat or we're trying to score points. It's about respect. It's about dignity. And what they done when, when it got confirmed they won the league was nothing but respect. As uh, Donny t- touched upon on our last podcast, they're wrecking memorial benches. They're in uh, Glasgow Square wrecking the streets up. There's no punishment. They're outside training grounds and they're outside Ibrox getting drink poured over them by the actual players themselves. But yeah, John, what are you expecting from Sunday's game? And could I have your reaction to the no guard of honour thing as well? Um, like yourself, I'm glad there's no guard of honour. I don't think we should give them anything. Uh, I know it's a generally a traditional thing, uh, but they, they, they ruined that years ago. Um, and we should give them nothing. And like you said, they don't deserve it. Uh, I don't care if they won the league. The like I said, this this year, I mean, it's, it's hard for all of us to take in really, uh, because arguably one of the biggest seasons we've ever had. Yeah, you've repeated the nine. You've got a chance to win the ten. Um, the wheels have fell off. Um, we, I feel personally, that due to the performances that we've had, and the, 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 or the, the, it's just. It's been relatively a poor season for us. It's essentially is. I mean, they've they've played well to an extent, but they've scraped a lot of results, and I think they've been handed it. Um, but like you said, the way they've acted in recent years, the way they acted after they won the league, and uh, they don't deserve it. Um, and I'm glad we're not giving them that. Um, in regards to this weekend's game, I'd love nothing more than to beat them. Um, I'm conf- Part of me is confident we're going to do that. I just think after their Europa League game, uh, their heads will be down a bit, uh, they'll be a bit frustrated I can imagine this weekend's probably going to be uh, one for flashpoints we'll no doubt be talking about in the future um, but I, I'm confident we're going to get a result this weekend and I would love nothing more than to end this invincible pitch that they're all talking about, they, they'll never match, they'll never be invincibles because they need to do what we've done and they can, they can butter it up and they can say whatever they want and go the, about them being invincible, but it's not the same. And I'd love to just shut them up and just put an end to that chat and all. Not, nothing would be better than absolute scalping, wouldn't it? Just an absolute smashing to be like, we're still here, you know. We're coming back for you next season. I think that's what we're all looking for. I just I just don't know if we're going to get it. It's the same type of players and stuff. But, Ross, I'll, I'll give it to you. What's your reaction to the, the new guard, guard of honour? Um. Well, for me... Two wrongs do make a right because I'm absolutely delighted they're not getting them on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, don't get me wrong, as I said before, um, if we did do it, then we would look like the bigger person, the bigger club. But uh, personally, I'm glad we're not doing it because they didn't do it for us and I give them nothing, basically. Um, no, I, I, was, I was never wanting me to do it and I'm glad they're not. Yeah. What what about this weekend's game? What way do you think it's going to go in terms of results? And can you see anything different in terms of lineups and things? I I mean it's it's a, a tough one. You want to, you want to go in confident. You're always nervous. Um, but I it it all depends. Well, I was going to say it all depends on what team he puts out. We've touched on this as well. It's like they've they've got to go with their their best team on paper. Uh, what that is, I haven't got a clue. Uh, and Kennedy is 
no change in anything. So the chances are they'll go with the diamond. If they go with the diamond, then I fear for us. But I don't know. It's I'm really. It's the first time I've been so so apprehensive about a game uh, against Rangers in a long long time. Uh, and I, I I just don't know what's going to happen. It just you really need to see what team he's got to put out first. Uh, but I think I can probably guess it. Uh, I think we can all probably guess it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, I'm on a different page to you guys. I don't think we we should be keep giving these players chances after chances to to come on and give us one performance that we've been greatly desiring this season. I don't think they deserve it. I really don't. I think half the team can fuck off, in my opinion. They're they're there for themselves. <laughs> They're they're a they're a team of individuals, but I, I I don't understand. For I think we should be focusing on players who are going to be there next season. I don't know about yourself, Francis, but what what's your take on that? Uh, I've just I do agree with you to the extent that the players haven't turned up at all. I said David Tumble and Sorrow are probably the only two that have yeah. turned up. The bright but, sparks. Yeah, a bright sparks are really 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 disappointing season. But yeah. it's one of the ones, I, I just think, like I said, you've got to go with the tried and trusted, even though the tried and trusted have been rotten. I just, I, it's not a game to gamble. We really need to try and just hope, put put the best team on paper, or what we think is the best team on paper, out there on Sunday and just hope that they, they come up with a performance once. We just need one performance out of 38 games this season and hopefully it comes this Sunday. And we just we put to bed any any talky an invincible season because it's just they'll they'll cling on to everything absolutely everything saying they've they've been invincible and that you just, you just look at Arsenal they claim they've gone invincible but they got put out two cups yeah I, I, you're you're hundred percent right there but I, I I don't know I just think for me the players as you said rightly there uh, Francis they tried and tested but they haven't been there all season. You look at the you look at the likes of Christie. He plays for himself mostly. Ayer, fair enough. You can tell he actually wants it sometimes. Um, it's Ed, Edward, he's he's an enigma. He's turned up for the last couple of games of the season for me, in my opinion, to play for a move. Uh, what's your opinion, Anthony, on 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 how you would approach Sunday's game? I would, in an ideal world, I would love to see him doing something completely left field, Stephen. Like, for example, I'd I'd love for him just to stick young Dembele out on the right. Just mm. something completely unexpected. Be like, go and express yourself. There's nobody in the ground. Um, you know, it, certainly for us, it's not a dead rubber. It's all about pride. But obviously, in terms of points, it is. So, you know, this isn't going... There's not a title race. Go and just go and express yourself. Go and take them on because they've never been up against them before. It's something a wee bit different. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do think it will end up being um, sort of same old, same old. But if you're, if you're anyone, and all, all we are asking for them on Sunday is show up, show up, and wear that jersey, and actually try and see if we can salvage a bit of pride for this season. Turn up, defend your set pieces, make good decisions in the final third, win your individual battles, and like you say, put this nonsense eh, invincibles to bed. There's only one set of invincibles. Beware the imitations. It's certainly <laughs> not that, that side of the, the Clyde. <laughs> I think as well. See, see up I, on that. I, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. You go. Uh, I was just going to say, see, like a performance similar to the one that we had at the last game at Ibrox. 
that would be perfect, providing yeah. we had a, a finish to to what we were doing. Do you know what I mean? It would the, the pressing everything about that game was almost perfect until we go was it who was it got sent off again? Um beat on I um he till he got sent off, I think we were on top and if we just had that cutting edge what we were been lacking pretty much all season, then we would have won that game. We have proved that day that when we're when we're at it and we're pressing and putting them under pressure that we've still got the better players in my opinion. Uh, it's just bad coaching and uh, just a, a really, really bad season. But in my opinion, I still think Celtic have got better players than Rangers when yeah. when they're coached properly and they're they're fit and ready to go and they, they weren't a, or they're not a fit team right now under the management of Lennon and like Kennedy taking over it's it's, it's, it's just the same thing uh, but aye definitely if they can put out a performance like they did in that last game but Edward turns up and we just get guys being ruthless like, unlike they have all season then aye I would fancy us still yeah, to win the game it's almost like as well, you look at the training videos that they uh, put up on their, their Twitter feeds and Instagram accounts, it's um, it's just identical to what they were doing. There's a few cones set up, they're running between them and do a few passing drills. It's like, what, focus on the defending because the defence this season has been absolutely symbolic, do you know what I mean? But, William, I'll, I'll go to you finally about the, the Sunday's game. I'm wanting someone to be on the same page as me in terms of going with youth. Because if you look at it, as Anthony rightly said, What's wrong with putting the belly on the pits? As far as I'm aware, anyway, they have a young right back playing, uh, Nathan Patterson, because uh, Tavernier's injured. Uh, is that not the way to go, especially for the future, William? Um, I don't know. I'm a bit on the fence. I'd, like, I'd be quite happy to see. And I think there needs to be a definite change. And for me, there needs to be a change in formation. Whether you go like, like I know Forrest is back. I don't know whether you go with him. If not, I don't see why Dembele's not had a chance at all on the side. This year, it's, it baffles me. Um, yeah. See when you see the likes of um, like the other week there against Dundee United, the amount of chances we created as well. The likes of Ayeti, who's for me, he's, I think Ross touched on it in a previous podcast. He's, he's from the like the Gary Hooper mould, and he's a, he's a penalty box striker. Why are we not playing name and getting the ball wide and getting it across? I think against Dundee United, we were screaming for somebody like that in the box. Um, aye, for me, that's. I've been screaming in every podcast for us to get Wids back in the team and get back to a four-two-three-one. This three or four number tens in the in the team is just it's bonkers to me. And the fact that we're all talking about it every week and that everybody else can see it except the guys that are getting paid big bucks to to manage the team is is baffling, baffling to me. I, I think we should. I think it would be. I think the guys. I think Gerard and the, and, and the guys across the city would be. Preparing for this diamond, I think it would be a span mm-hmm. on the works if they turn up in half an hour before the game, they realise, oh wait a minute, we've got width to deal with here. So for me, I would change it up personally. Um, Definitely. See, see, just a touch mm-hmm. on the guard of honour stuff as well. See, see, a couple of seasons ago when when they didn't give us a guard of honour, I can't remember seeing as much media and press interest. <laughs> yeah. in that. I don't know about you guys, but wh- why is it such a big deal now? When a couple of seasons ago. It was. I, I can't even remember seeing one article about it. I remember oh. Gerard um, got asked about it, and he's. I think he saw his reply was it was the club's decision, and that was it. No further questions for anyone. Um, nobody getting 
dragged out for here, there, and everywhere. Uh, Willie getting asked their opinion on it or asked to chuck in their mm. tuppence worth. But that's just par for the course where the media are concerned, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think we've seen a lot of it, especially the second half of this season. The, the absolute bias from media and uh, government government officials who are in high profile jobs towards certain events that have happened in the last couple of months. It's it's unbelievable to see, really. And I said it before in podcasts, I was naive to it. Yes, I knew there was a certain bias towards uh, the team across the city and, and news coverage and that type of thing. But you've seen it come to the fore. The government come out and name checking us and statements of, of things that they've done. And then you see it more now as well. Rightly pointed out, William, in terms of the, the Guard of Honour stuff, there was barely a peep when when Rangers didn't give us one. It was almost accepted. But when it comes to mm-hmm. Celtic, you have former managers of former players like Gary Codwell coming out and saying, oh, they should do it. Uh, show them their bigger team. Show their class. Show their dignity. How about fuck away off and let us do our own thing? Because <laughs> uh, because as as we rightly said, that why should we give them the respect that they clearly don't deserve, especially after the event, events of, of the, with their title winning weekend. And again, they didn't do the guard of honour for us when we won the league under Rogers. And I think the point that was made as well about two wrongs do make a right, I'm going to end that segment with that because that's correct and I think we should move <laughs> on quite quickly yes. before I get more, more, more of a rant in. But yeah, we'll move on <laughs> to uh, team lineup predictions. I want to fire through it quickly, guys. So I'll go to you, John, first. What, what have you gone with? <laughs> I think it's going to be more of the same, uh, like the boys have touched on. I, I'm, I'm hoping that we throw a spanner in their works and play with a little bit more width. Uh, we move away from that diamond formation because uh, Rangers are probably preparing for that. So it's difficult to say, um, given the lack of imagination um, for the coaching staff recently and Kennedy since he's came in. Uh, I don't suspect the, the lineup's going to change too much, as much as I'd like it to. So I'm just going to say it's going to remain this, much of the same. You're going for much of the same then, so kind of the team that started the last match we played then? Pretty much. Yeah. I'd like to be surprised, as I say, and I'd like them to throw a span on the works. I'd like them to change the formation and play with a bit more width. So it's difficult to sort of predict where we're going, but just based on history uh, in previous games, I'm just going to stick with the same. Basically, in other words, John doesn't have a team wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could I could sit and name all the players, but I mean, like, and, and we do we do this every every week. We do this, and we, th- we 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 try and guess the team, and nothing changes. And you thought when Lennon left and Kennedy came in, he would try his own ideas, something fresh, something new, and nothing changed. Yeah. And no, I just don't think he's got it in him to do it again. And that's what I, like I say, I agree. We need to try something different. We need to switch up the formation. We need to play with a bit more width. We need to throw a spanner in the works. I just, yeah. I don't have faith that Kennedy can see that. No, 100% I get where you're coming from. It's just basically the same old crap. It kind of surprised me when Forrest, Forrest come on at first anyway. He was shoved into the number 10 position against uh, Dundee. And you're you're almost going, what the hell is going on? Like, get him out in the way and get him taking players on. And I think eventually towards the end of that game, he, he kind of took it upon himself to do that. Otherwise, he'd be stuck in the diamond formation, which he's clearly not comfortable with. But Francis, hit me with your lineup. What have you gone for? I mean, I've went nice and exciting and stuck with the diamond too. I've went with bearing goals, Kenny right back, Wilshire, Laxalt. I mean, the back four Kenny picks itself, doesn't it? Yeah. And I would love him to play Sorrow, but I think he's got to go with Brown. Chris out in the right, McGregor on the left of the diamond and Tumble at the, the, the tip of it. And I believe he'll maybe play uh, El Yunusi up there with Ed, Edward. Just simply, I'm hoping that he does that in the sense that it maybe gives him the option to go to the five in the midfield and 
maybe go a wee bit wider. I appreciate obviously Crystal be at the right who's not uh, predominantly that that position, but it gives us the option to play five across the midfield and maybe get a bit of width in the game and stuff. I would like him yeah. to play Forrest, but I just I'm not sure he's ready yet, considering how long he's been out for. What about yourself, William? Yeah, born as it is, I think he'll go with the same. I wouldn't personally. I would go with the, the like uh, Franny said the the backline picks itself. But I would I would have Brown and McGregor in the middle with Turnbull number ten, and I would play. For, I would start Forrest uh, even if he gets the first half, and you had to make a change. Then I'd give him the first half. I'd start him in the right, Elianusi on left, and Edward up front. Um, but I don't I don't think he will. I think and I think like Franny was saying it there. I think he's, um, Kennedy himself touched on it in the United game. Before the game, he's he's, he's pretty much interview, and he said that he was Elianusi was up front, and he said he likes playing him because of the flexibility because he can, because Christie's on the right of the diamond, and um, if they do need to change it, Edward can go up front himself. Elianusi comes out left, and Christie goes out right, and then they've got the midfield three. So I think he likes that. I think that's what he'll start with in the diamond. But um, uh, for me personally, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd I'd go back and try and get some width, and you know what? I see this like. See this when when big play big time players come back and they say, well, if we're if we're needing them, we'll, we'll bring them on for twenty minutes. No, start them, let them let them do his damage first, and then if you need to bring them off, then bring them off. I never understood that. Let's bring them on with twenty minutes to go. Let them do the damage first, and then and then we can change it. I like Griffiths. I like, yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that shout, especially about Forrest. I think if he if he's ready for forty five minutes, fifty minutes, get him on that pitch because he's the only player we have that can take players on directly. Other players are coming to fight, yeah. looking for looking for tiny tiny balls to the side or to the, the to the back line, which isn't quite working at the minute. But Anthony, give me your team. What have you gone for? Uh, I, I actually put a, a, ten of the eleven, uh, exact same as Willie, um, Stephen. But the only th- I did have um, Christie on the right rather than Forrest. But I would I would prefer to see Forrest play than Christie for for the exact same reasons that Willie's um, pointed out, or. It would be great to maybe see the young laddie uh, come, uh, have a go and see what he can do. But yeah, I can't see too many changes. But um, so yeah, I, I think it will be much of the same. But if it was up to me, Forrest would start as well. Yeah. What about yourself, Ross? What have you gone for? Um, I well, I mean, I, I think as the other guys have said, he'll probably go with the diamond. It'll be much the same. Uh, but I'd written down the team that I would actually play because uh, I'm going to throw my name into the ring for the job uh, and it's basically <laughs> it's yeah, basically the same one, uh, <laughs> everybody else is in for it so I might as well eh? um, but it's basically the same team as what Wally said there so he could he could be my number two um, <laughs> I've, I've basically went Bain, Ayer, Welsh, Kenny Laxalt uh, and I've went for five in midfield I'm only playing Laxalt because I don't think Taylor's fit uh, I went five midfield, uh, Brown, McGregor, Turnbull in the 10 row, Ellen Usi left, Forrest right, and Edward up top his cell. Yeah, fair enough. I, uh, I, I, can see, I can see where you're coming from, like, definitely. Me, me, me you won't play that, though. No, I know, 100%. It's, it's almost got to the stage now where you're kind of just wanting a bit of spark, a bit of change, because you're going into the weekend knowing you're going to face the same old boring shit that we've been used to in the past uh three or four months. I know the Diamond was a hit in December, but again, that was only because Sorrow and Turnbull were there playing, and Sorrow's been dropped now for next to no reason from what I can see anyway, but I'm go- I've am i gone for Barkas to come back in the goal. Uh, Kenny right back, Welsh, Ayer, Taylor. If Taylor's fit, there's been no confirmation to say he's not. I went for Brian McGregor. I'm um, Christie coming off the right wing. 
Moy on the left, Turnbull playing as number 10, and Eddie up front by himself. It went back to the 4 2 3 1, mainly as I said before, because you, you need that width. I know Christie, he does my absolute tits in, and I'd rather he wouldn't be in the team, but there's, there's quite frankly no one else to put in there. And you're risking a forest. I know William touched upon if he's fit for 40 minutes, but you're, you're, you're risk, risking a forest coming on. And you know, Finn Reddy, that he could get injured by a heavy tackle at any moment. And uh, I mean, maybe the, this game isn't perfect to throw him in. But yeah, we'll move on to the score predictions. This, this is going to be quick fire. Right. So, John, fire it out. Who do, what are you going for? 2 1. Francis? 2 1. William? Yeah, 2 1. Obligatory lacks out foul for a quick <laughs> to concede. <laughs> Anthony, five nothing. Wow! <laughs> wow! You think we're getting pumped yeah. five nine? <laughs> <laughs> no, step away from the it. step away from the pit, the Peroni, Tony. Step away from the Mac. What about yourself, Ross? I've went two one as well. Two one. I, I've gone two one as well. I think. We can't really be expecting a high score match, especially the way, the way we're playing them, and, and we're always liable to concede a goal as well. So, well, that's us wrapped up that side of the show in terms of speaking about favourite derbies and also on to the weekend's game. We're going to move on to the kind of lighthearted side of things. Usually, and our, our newer podcast will be doing a quiz, but there's six of us, and I think a quiz would be quite chaotic. So, I've changed tact a wee bit. I've gone for the guys to go for a five aside team from Celtic from any era that, that they choose. that that, that suits them, just basically to see what kind of their favourite players are. So, I'm going to you, John, first. What have you gone for? Um, so, um, my five would be uh, Boric and goals, uh, Tierney and Van Dijk, Maravchik, Petrov and Larson. That's a six aside, you clown. I know. So it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it is? <laughs> Uh, because it's meant to be a quiz, you just thought you'd fuck this up as well. <laughs> well I started with Boric and then I, start, I just counted five. No, right. <laughs> Arnicky, let's go from the top. Who are you John? Who are you dropping? So, eh? Who are you dropping? It'll be Boric, Tierney, Van, Van Dyke, Maravchik, Larson. Nice. Fair enough. Go ahead, Francis. Well, I've, I've went for Boric as well. I just think when we had him, he was arguably one of, one of, if not the best goalkeeper in Europe at a point. And I've just picked one one defender, Mialbe. He was just nice. solid. Absolutely solid. My whole team's kind of based around players that I grew up watching as Celtic and can really remember. So I've got Lambert and Petrov and Lambert, like we've touched on, just he's so underrated. So underrated. But what a player he was in Petrov just didn't really get off to the gates. That wasn't looking like he might have had a Celtic career after signing. Just wasn't settling. But I just was brilliant. Just box to box. Just absolutely frightening. And can he? Can he? No put last on the team, can you? It's got no, to be there. He has to be there. I mean, you need your head looked at. Him. <laughs> it's four aside, really. Everybody's picking four players, really. Surely. Lord, <laughs> <laughs> John. Father John. He's picking five. <laughs> five, five. Thanks. <laughs> What about yourself, William? What's your five-a-side team? Right, just to, before I start, this isn't my like favourite five players of all time. For me, it's like we're taking a serious. This is a five-a-side tournament, so I need a bit of trickery oh, and stuff in there, oh. right? So I've got oh, Big Foster in the goals because wow. if it's five-a-side, he just needs to stand still, and nothing's getting by him. He's <laughs> five foot tall and uh, ten foot tall and ten foot wide. I'm going to have KT at the back because he's just old school, he's hardcore. Yep. 
gets up and down. Uh, Lubo, need to have Lubo in there. Bit of flair. Yep. Again, this one's left field, but it's five aside, so I'm going to go for Eddie McGarry. We need that wee bit yeah, of burst of pace, a wee bit of skill, somebody to beat just somebody. Just play Rangers, because they never, play, never turned up against them. <laughs> Ironically, when we're talking about this show. Right, well, we'll put my five-a-side team against yours, then, and we'll see what happens. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and then the will get a King of Kings up front. Nice one. What about you, Anthony? Uh, yeah, Fraser, for the same reasons Wally laid out, um, and for the similar thing, that it's a, a five-a-side tournament, I'm sticking Big Bobo at the back, because you know, <laughs> who's, who's going to try and go near him? Uh, so that, and that takes care of the physicality. And that leaves, you know, the other three can just be your your, your tricksters. So I've went for Lubo. I actually also did go for, um, I was going to go for McGeady, but just to kind of change it up a bit, I'll stick Lee Maloney in, because he was a great player in Stratton's first season. Um, He was, you know, player of the year. And, you know, he was somebody I always really liked, and he would be absolutely brilliant in a -a five-a-side. And obviously, yeah, king of kings up front, got to be. Perfect. What about you, Ross? Um, so I've just done this off the top of my head right now because I forgot you said about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm glad you came to me last. <laughs> uh, so I've went with Boric and goals just because he was, it's just Boric, man. He was brilliant. I, I love Forster, but I just think Boric has maybe just got the edge on him. Uh, and like goalie. Anthony, big, big Bobo takes the, the defence. And then I've got Lennon, who... It's just, I know it didn't end Gov. in the best terms here, but I loved Lennon as a player. What? The Gov. The Gov. <laughs> uh, aye, so I loved him as a player. He was awesome. So that, what have I got? Three. And then I've got Moravchik and uh, Larson. Nice Just one. because Moravchik is just fully skilled. He'll create the space and Larson will be there to finish it off. Yeah, I like that. For, for me, for, we'll for me, the myself. the tournament, that'll be it. <laughs> for me myself I've, I've went with no goalkeeper so I've went with Fandijk basically covering all areas at the back I hey, went with Kieran you can't hear a back in listen, <laughs> listen. Any money. I've, I've went for Kieran Tierney as well for a bit of drive I've also threw in Lubo Muratsvik obviously for his skill and I'm actually surprised no one's named this guy as well Nakamura's in my team and Henrik Larsson up top I think that's I think that's a fantastic team in, in terms of the the whole the whole side of things. I think my team will win. What about you guys? So what left footers in there? It's a bit of flair and a bit of technique, boys. That, that's what we're needing. Do you know what I mean? A bit, a bit of advance, and that's what that's what we're missing this fast this season. So you can say that's a fine I can't believe nobody's picked Paddy McCoy. What? Oh, that's true. Oh, oh good shout. Oh, good oh, shout. Jordan Pitt managed the seventh player. Sorry, guys. Guys, see before we're gonna like I know we're dragging on a bit, but like there's a question nobody asked. I, I'm always really interested in this because I think 99% of people would say uh, Larson's chip against Rangers, but yeah, see your favourite derby goal because mine's isn't the chip against Rangers. Mine's I'd just be me. interested to see like mine's Stephen. I'll, I'll let you throw it to everybody, but Stephen, I'd like to hear yours first of all. I don't know if you. Well, since you put me on the spot, Anthony, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> my favourite is William, by the way. <laughs> oh, William. Jesus Christ. Sorry, Willem. So So, the one that sticks out my mind straight away is the Edward going to free two game. Just for the fact that it was we were down to ten minutes at the time, he came on the pitch and he just he cut Yeah, he cut him from the left. Oh my god, the finish was sublime. 
But yeah, John. Keep your distance, yeah. Rangers. Keep your distance. <laughs> <laughs> but John, what what goes sticks out in your mind? Well, I get I, like William says that Larson chips definitely my favourite. But the one when Nakamura hit it, uh, oh, oh. where they whipped into the top left, left. I mean, that was absolutely phenomenal. Amazing goal, mm-hmm. amazing. What about yourself, Francis? Well, fun enough, mine's just for the same game, John, but it was uh, Venegar of Hessel, I think, goal in that day, because I'm sure McDonald missed a penalty and everything. We needed to win that game to win the league. Yeah. So I'm sure it was like seven games left, four points behind. Was that the and header? It, yeah, 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 yeah. Where McDonald kind of hit, Caldwell crossed it over, and then McDonald headed it back, and Venegar of Hessel headed it in. It was like, oh. Barry Robson had scored, we'd beat them about four days prior, I think. Barry Robson scored a penalty. It was, I'm sure it was something like, Seven points behind, like seven points, uh, four points behind with seven games to play going into the second game. And it was just, it was a game we had to win. And Nakamura scored that goal. And I'm sure it was like 1 1. McDonald missed a penalty then. Venegar to Hesselink scored that goal. So it's big Hesselink, my favourite. He's having had to fucking add up here, boys. I mean, they're brilliant goals. I mean, the Nakamura goal, the, the Venegar Hesselink, very important goals. Like, what, what about yourself, William? What's your favourite then? Mine's is the. Uh, 2002-3 game when Momo Silla, uh, as usual, put a cross in and it wasn't pinpoint, it was behind Larson and he's, it's, uh, oh, came up about, came out, came wow. up about hip, hip height and uh, he's touched it with the inside of his foot and it's bounced perfectly and he's just swivelled and hooked it with his left foot right in the top bag. It's for me, nobody else in the league, um, or many leagues, are scoring a goal like that. He uh, turns a bad cross into an I'd unbelievable goal. I'd forgot about that goal. Yeah. What about yourself, Anthony? Uh, all great goals that you've mentioned, but I'm just going to pick this one, not just for the fact um, that I was right on the halfway line when it went in, um, so I had a great view, but it also won me £150 at the bookies. Um, <laughs> it was the 2004 season, and um, it was the final game, final Old Firm game of the year, and if we won, it was going to be uh, a Derby whitewash. We won all our games. Oh, and in the 90th uh, minute, um, they were starting to get big licks over in the, d- the dark corner because um, they thought they were getting away <laughs> with some pride. And Big Sutton <laughs> just absolutely bullied uh, Frank De Boer up in the air. And it was a lovely, it was almost like a reverse for the 6 2 game. Sutton to it, it was, you know, Larson laying it off for Sutton this time. And just like you say with the commentary, um, keep your distance. This one was even better for me when Archie McPherson, when, it, when, when Sutton chips the ball over close for 25 yards of absolute bedlam and Archie McPherson just says you couldn't have hit a more delightful chip with a wedge it was oh, absolutely brilliant and yeah, um, the way yeah. that I'd, I'd had, I had a few quid on that day I think it was the first time I ever took money out the bookies and uh, aye absolute <laughs> magic so uh, aye just another another day at the office Fantastic, <laughs> and, finally, and finally Ross what sticks out in your mind in terms of goals uh, well I was going to go with the Nakamura one but uh, uh, I think John went with that, so that's that's fine, John. Thanks for that. Um, but <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, I'm just trying to think of really good goals now off the top of my head, and <laughs> one that I always remember was Andy Tom in the three-three at Ibrox. Oh man, Belter. Uh, Belter. I think that was about three minutes into the game, and you uh, absolute rasper. Keeper had no chance. I'm sure that was Gorham that day as well. That, that was uh, the one where he just rattled it for about thirty odd yards, wasn't it? Ah, uh, it was like you, you need right to score for their pal, but on you go, celebrate that. <laughs> see, just see, just to jump in again, last last shout. What about Lambert's like half volley that couldn't have been any more in the oh, top corner? Oh, I, I, yes. 
the tenor, well, to stop the tenor, to stop the tenor off. <laughs> aye. Aye, aye, I, I mean, get, beauty, man. guys, they're all fantastic shouts. Even some of the goals, obviously, I can't recall myself, but I'm going to have a look at them after this. I mean, I can vaguely remember seeing highlights of the Andy Tom goal with, with Sean uh, described that where he scored from like 30 yards out, which sounds amazing. The Lambert goal, the same. I need, I need to go and double check them because I was quite young at the time. But even the experiences, and the, especially the added bit of commentary that uh, Anthony put in of McPherson saying that, it just gives you that feel. It gives you that vibe of what a derby means. And just before the end of the show, which has been a fantastic show, guys, I want to give Anthony the floor. I want to give Anthony a, wee time, a, a bit of time to speak here because he's going to be doing a new show from the end of Celts, and it's going to be titled The 21st Century Boys. Now, we're looking, we are going to be doing spin-off shows in regards to certain times in Celtic's history, also coupled with the Celtic Rewind episodes. But Anthony, explain, explain to the, the people listening what kind of show and what kind of uh, uh, thing it's going to be. Cheers, mate. So, I like you say, it's just a wee spin-off, just a wee bit of fun, a wee bit more light-hearted for some of the serious subjects that we, we debate. So, as we've said, 21st century's been pretty much unrivaled success for Celtic's been utter dominance. And, you know, it's kind of divided into, you know, the two decades, the 2000 to 2010, it was Martin and, and Gordon. And, you know, for 2010 onwards, we obviously had Lenny um, twice and, and Ronnie and obviously, of course... Uh, Mr. Invincible himself, Brendan. And we're just trying to say, you know, a little bit like the Rocky Balboa film, if we to pick a select from each of the decades and pit them against each other, you know, who would come out on top? So I've enlisted the services of uh, two of the other regulars on here tonight, uh, Mr. Dobbin and Mr. Muir, uh, Willie and Ross, and John's going to be giving us some input as well. So they're going to be tasked with each getting a, a side each, and they've got all the players for both decades, and we're going to try and fit them into um, two sides and, and sort of debate the strengths and weaknesses and where the game would be won and lost. And also, we'll make sure, because we always are the most stylish club in Scotland, we'll also pick a home strip and an away strip for each decade. <laughs> which, uh, oh, what a to, what to, a to, say, to say how they would be kitted out. And so that's coming on Monday night. Uh, really looking forward to it. And um, and there'll be like a wee special bonus from John um, at the end. Um, so I'll leave. I'll keep that till Monday. But hopefully yeah. um, we'll get plenty of folk tuning in for then. So looking forward to it. Fantastic, Anthony. I think we're all looking forward to it, especially on the end of Sales podcast. And I mean, these spin-off shows are going to add so much, and we're, we're really looking forward to you doing that, Anthony. So thanks very much for that. And in terms of our next podcast, which will be Tuesday, we'll have another very special guest, Laura Bradburn. She's going to be joining us from the Celtic State of Mind podcast where she's a regular host on certain topics and she's does fantastic input and knowledge around Celtic Football Club. So we're all delighted that she's agreed to join us for that podcast. And guys, that's the end of the show. I think I think it's been it's been it's been fantastic really. We've shared really good experiences, we've given her opinions on favourite games and things, and you've really given me a feel for what a, a derby a derby day feels like when you're actually going to the game. So I thank you very much for that. So thanks, John, thanks, Francis, thanks, William. Thanks, Anthony, and thanks to Ross, guys. If you've all enjoyed it, thanks, Stephen. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, always, thanks. It's been great. Thanks. No worries. So until Monday, when the 21st Century Boys makes his debut, and Anthony will be hosting, I'll speak to you again on Tuesday. And in the meantime, everyone, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. <laughs>